as all of you know who have been attending here regularly, we have been in a series in Revelation, um, preaching through the, the seven letters to the seven churches. And we will be finishing that series next week. Um, we'll be uh, hearing about the church in Laodicea. Uh, this morning, though, we have um, a special guest with us that I'm, I'm really excited about. Um, Mr. Trevor Cowan, he is a part of Crosswork Church, uh, which is a Reformed church plant in Tahoka, Texas. Um, and he got to know uh, Mark, uh, Pastor Mark, uh, as they were protesting some Planned Parenthood um, activities um, here in town. And that's how they got to know each other and became friends. And um, he is the executive pastor at the church there. And we also have uh, Mike and, and Jamie, two of the pastors there, and, and some other uh, guests from that church. And so uh, Mark asked Trevor if, if he would come this morning and share with us uh, from the word of the Lord. And so uh, I'm just really excited to have Trevor here with us, um, Mike and Jamie and the other guys as well. So welcome. Uh, we're sure glad to, to have you guys and get to partner in the gospel with you guys this morning. So that's a blessing. Uh, so let me read our sermon text for this morning, and I'll have Trevor come up in just a moment. So if you guys would stand for the reading of God's word. Um, we're in John chapter 8 uh, this morning, starting in verse 31, and that is on page 522 in the blue Bibles in the seat pocket in front of you. And as always, we want you to know if, if you do not have your own Bible or you know someone that needs a Bible, we invite you to take this with you. Uh, we want everyone to have the Word of God in their home. So John chapter 8. Beginning in verse 31, it says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. 
When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. This is the word of the Lord. You guys welcome Trevor as he comes up. Thanks. Appreciate it. Well, can you hear me? Works? Give me one second. Yeah, thanks, David. I am, uh, like he said, I'm the uh, executive pastor at Crosswork Church in Tohoka, Texas. Um, we, uh, he was talking about we met Mark at doing work at Planned Parenthood, and I like to think of myself as Mark's sage friend that he comes to with wise advice. Um, but uh, I know he's watching, so I had to throw some jokes in for him. You know, <clears throat> uh, not really, but I really am honored that Mark would invite me to um, come and speak from his pulpit. I pray this morning that as I as I speak, I'm able to be faithful to the text as I know he is each week. Whenever Mark told me that he was going to be preaching in Revelation, I uh, was really excited. I thought maybe I'd have the chance or the opportunity to speak from one of those letters. And then he actually told me that all of those had been taken. So I was really disappointed. Um, but I thought, you know what? That's fine. I'm going to go to one of John's other writings and I'll, I'll show him. So uh, today as we're in John 8, um, I, uh, I, uh, uh, I, I think we should just call this uh, a sermon uh, that would be titled A Word to the Church in 2021 um, to kind of tie in with what y'all are doing there in Revelation. Uh, while you're opening to John 8, if you, if you have to open back up to it, um, I have the NASB, so mine's worded a little different, uh, but I think we'll get into some of those differences as we're talking through it. Uh, let me give you a little background of what doing ministry in Tohoka, Texas is like. Uh, I think as I am talking, you'll begin to see some similarities to what it's like being here in Lubbock, Texas. <clears throat> in Tohoka, we have uh, what we would call the good old boys. Is how we've how we've been talking about them. These are people that we would say are lost in their goodness. These are people that uh, that they're they're mostly very fine moral people. Uh, we we would say they're good people. They go to work. They probably keep to themselves. They provide for and care for their families. And they've never really killed anybody. Never stolen from anybody. And they probably have, if you ask people in the town, a good reputation. They, they probably have a reputation of being a good person. Or like First Timothy talks about someone of good report. They, they might be that person. But if you talk to this person about God or, or where they would go after they die, they might say something along the lines of, well, me and God, we're good. They might say something along the lines of, me and God, we have, we have an understanding. They might say... Of course, uh, it, when I die, I'm going to go to heaven because I'm a good person. We hear that often. In West Texas, it would be very common to, for someone to say, well, yeah, I prayed a prayer when I was a kid, and so, yeah, I, I know I'm going to go to heaven when I die. And like I said, these are all very good moral people. These are, these are people that we're friends with, some that we're related to. 
But, but we hear these things in this nature and it's really sad because these people have no understanding of what the gospel is. These are, these are things that we know because they, they, they don't know what it means to follow God. They don't recognize that they're, they're dead in their sins as the Bible tells us. They don't know or they don't even believe that they're sinners before God. They actually believe that if they were standing before God and He asked them, they, they would actually say, yeah, they're good account, on account of their own righteousness. But that's not what the Bible tells us about our sinful state. And today, as, as we look at John chapter 8, we come to this, this people, they're, they're a stubborn people. As he's, as he's speaking to these Pharisees, they're a lot the same way. They believe that they are in God's graces on account of their own righteousness. They have denied truth. And in rejecting, or in, in, in doing so, in, in denying truth, they've rejected Almighty God in the process. In uh, John chapter 7, just, just before, Jesus is preaching at the temple during the Feast of Tabernacles. And that's where we, we pick up here in John chapter 8. And he's proclaiming about himself. He's communicating to the people there that he is the Messiah, that, that God the Father has sent him, that he and the Father are one, even is, is what he's communicating here. And that if they do not believe in him, they will die in their sins. Some of the Jewish people there, as Jesus is talking, they're actually starting to believe. They're, they're believing in Him. And, and they're, they're, they're asking questions about what it would look like to follow Him and, and wanting to know more. And as they're asking these questions, Jesus begins to proclaim, and this is where we pick up in chapter 8, verse 31. It says, So Jesus was saying to those Jews who believed Him, If you continue in My Word, then you are truly disciples of Mine. So he tells his, his true disciples that if you really are his disciples, you will continue in his word. Your translation says abide. Um, that's, that's another word that can be used there. If you abide in my word, you are truly his disciples. I'm quickly reminded as we, as we hear the word abide, I'm quickly reminded of John chapter 15, verse 5. In John 15, 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So that's what he's, he's speaking to his, his, his disciples there. But this promise doesn't come just as a promise. It, it comes with a warning following up just after that. In verse 6, he, he says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. So with, with this, this, this gospel promise of abiding in Christ, we also see this, this warning of what it looks like for those that don't abide in Christ. So I think we must ask the question here that, that I think is really important. What does it mean to abide in His Word? Not only, not only what does it mean, but, but also how does one do it? After all, if a person does abide in His Word, it, or if a person doesn't abide in His Word, it would be very costly. But if a person does abide in his word, it would be of a great reward. As we look at the book of John, we can look at John chapter 1. And uh, we learn that Jesus is the word made flesh. Abiding in his word means abiding in him. 
the Jewish, the, the, uh, Jewish people that were being addressed here, they were not Jesus' disciples. In fact, we will learn later that they were plotting to kill Jesus. And Jesus even, even says that their father is the devil. They may have known the law. They may have memorized entire sections of the Torah. They may have had great theology. But they thought they were... And they, they may have thought that they were righteous before God. But they were not. They were rejecting God's Word made flesh. And the, he, tells them, he tells them earlier in John 8 that if they reject Him, that they will die in their sin. He tells them they will die in their sin if they don't believe. And as John continues in John chapter 1, he continues to tell us in uh, verse 12, But as many as received him to, him, to him he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So we must recognize, first and foremost, as we're looking at this text, we must recognize that we are saved not of our own doing. The Pharisees he's talking to here, they, they had to recognize this. You're not saved by your own doing, but by the will of God. If we're going to abide in Jesus, we must know that we can only do so because He gave us the right to become children of God. Second, we must know the written Word of God. In John chapter 17, verse 17, Jesus says, Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. The only way that we can know truth is if we know God's word, which brings us here to verse 32. In verse 32, he says, And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Some translations, the truth will set you free. If you are a believer, you must recognize that truth matters. Truth matters. We are to be unapologetically devoted to truth. We must be devoted to truth so much because we know that truth is not some changing concept that society today would have us believe that it is. Truth does not change. Truth is absolute no matter what society says. Uh, as, as Joe Rigney would say, we must be devoted to truth because truth is a person. We learn from the Scripture that Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. So Jesus is the truth. We live in a society in 2021 that wants us to believe that truth is an absolute. Like in Jonah's time, we have a people that, that don't know their right hand from their left. And Jesus is telling us here, we should know the truth. We should know Jesus. And the truth will set us free. Only Jesus will set us free. We should know that. And we should also preach that. There are many pastors in, in 2021 that they, they, they don't. They don't preach that. In, in 2 Timothy 4, Paul warns Timothy, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires, and they will turn away from ears uh, from the truth and will turn aside to myths. I don't know how much uh, you're paying attention to other pastors, but there's a lot of times in 2021 where, where pastors are not proclaiming truth. But as pastors, we must stand from the pulpit and we must proclaim truth. And these, these pastors, they have no business proclaiming the gospel from churches. 
Second Timothy would say they're ear ticklers. As Galatians would say, they're people pleasers. And they do not care for the truth. They tell people what the people want to hear. And they've turned their ears from truth. So I think we, we, we might ask, why is that? Why is it that people, people just so quickly turn their ears from truth? Well, in today's time we hear, because the truth is too harsh. The truth is a harsh thing. Sometimes we might hear the truth is too closed-minded or, or they believe the truth is outdated as if truth can be held within some kind of date. They believe all kinds of lies about truth and, and some, even ultimately believe, or some even ultimately hate truth. They don't care for it. This actually reminds me of the scene in uh, Lord of the Rings with Theoden, the king of Rohan. If you haven't seen Lord of the Rings, there's this dark scene where uh, uh, they, they approach this castle and King Theoden, he's bewitched or possessed by Saruman. I, I don't know which one it is. It's real weird. And while he's bewitched, this creepy, evil-looking little twerp, uh, his name is uh, Grima Wormtongue. That's a good family name. Um, is basically speaking on his behalf. He's speaking on his behalf. He's telling him things that he wants to hear within his own little bewitched state. And uh, Theoden, a once great king, is just slowly dying and rotting in his own throne. Gandalf the White comes in and, and he frees him from his bondage to this evil. Um, and when the king comes to, Gandalf tells him this, this line that I think is somewhat overlooked. He tells him this line where he says, Breathe the free air again, my friend. He had been freed from evil. And there was this breath of fresh air that came from being freed from the evil. There are some people that they're just like the king. They've, they've, they've been bewitched. They've turned from truth and these people are dependent on other believers to go in announcing truth, proclaiming the gospel because we know here that it's only by the gospel that people will be set free. John 8 tells us later, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. This is only a freedom that comes through the power of the gospel. We must be people that will proclaim this truth both boldly even when we're surrounded by those who hate it. And we will be. We will be, be surrounded by people who hate it, especially now. And it's going to make people uncomfortable and people aren't going to like it. But we must proclaim truth. Then there, there are people that, that they're like Grima Warmtongue or they're like Saruman. These are like the Pharisees. They don't even know that they're slaves to sin, nor do they care. And we see this in verse 33 here. Verse 33, they answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. So here's what we know. Everyone in the, in the world today is a slave of one of two things. Either we're slaves to God or we're slaves to sin. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us, You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, 
even as the rest of mankind. So this is the natural state of mankind. This is what it looks like to be a slave to sin. We're dead in our sins and trespasses. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, as Jesus would say later, sons of Satan. We are sons and daughters of disobedience and we've followed our own flesh and lusts, indulging in the desires of our heart. Romans chapter 3 says it this way, that none of us are good, none seek after God, and none of us turn from doing evil. Again, this is the language of someone that is a slave to sin. As slaves to sin, we love sin, we hate God, and we are following the devil. But the Bible, it speaks differently about those that are slaves to God. In the book of John, we know John gives us his gospel account so that you will believe. That's what he tells us at the end of of his gospel account. I've given you these things so that you would believe. But in 1 John, we see something different. In 1 John, we see a a, a letter that he's writing about how we know someone is believing. In 1 John, we see a letter about what it looks like for someone that does follow Christ. And this is what it says in 1 John 3, 6 through 9, about someone who abides in Christ. Verse 3, or chapter 3, verse 6 through 9, it says, No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has seen him or knows him. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him and he cannot sin because he is born of God. So at the beginning there, when it says no one who abides in him sins, this means, this means that no one who abides in him lives a mar- life marked by sin. Obviously, as, as, as Christians, we're, we're going to mess up. We're going to sin. We're going to 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 uh, to mess up on occasion. It, it it happens all the time, and the world is very quick to point out when we do. Right? It's a it's a it's a common thing. What this verse means is not that we're we're going to be perfect all of a sudden. Like once we're following Christ, now we're no longer going to sin. No, that's not what he's saying. It says it means that our life is no longer full or even defined by the sins that we once loved. As adopted children of God, we now love the things that God loves. We hate the things that God hates. We do not make a practice of sinning. Or to say it simply as Jesus does in John 14, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, is what he tells us. When we come to an understanding of the gospel, we are no longer slaves to sin. Like, like King Theoden, we can breathe free air again, my friends. We no longer have to live this bewitched life. We should rejoice in the fact that Jesus has set us free from the bondage of sin and death. And we should live a life that is honoring to Him. In fact, that's exactly what true believers will do. As Galatians says, It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. So as, as, as believers in, in a new life, we're not going to be subject to that anymore. We're going to flee from that. And we're not going to love those things that we used to love. The Pharisees and the people of Israel did not understand this. 
How could they understand these things? They didn't even know that they were slaves. They truly believed that because they could trace their lineage back to Abraham, that they were good with God. That's, that's, that's what they were saying to him. They truly believed that just because they were descendants of Abraham, that they were righteous in God's sight. But, but he's telling them here, au contraire, my Jewish friends, it doesn't matter who your parents are. As he tells Nicodemus in John chapter 3, you must be born again. It doesn't matter where you're born in the flesh. You must be born again. And this is what we see. This is where we see a warning from Jesus right here in verse 35. Verse 35 says, The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. <coughs> as, the, as the Jewish people hear this, and as they just brought up Abraham, they should again be reminded immediately, taken back to the story of Abraham. In the story of Abraham, we, we had another descendant that wasn't Isaac. If you remember, he also had Ishmael. And Ishmael was the son of the slave woman, Hagar. And the two of them did not remain in the house of Abraham. God had a plan and his plan did not involve Ishmael. His plan involved Isaac. He's telling the Pharisees here, listen, even though you have the correct lineage, um, that doesn't mean that you're my people. He's telling, he, he, he says, uh, or we learn from Paul later, uh, it, the way Paul says it later, but not all of Israel is true Israel. These people, they had the same problem we all have today. They were slaves to sin. And the only people that would be allowed in the house is those that are sons, as it says here, lowercase s. They're sons of God. So how do we know if someone is a slave to sin or a son of God? He's, he's been saying it this whole time, but he obliges them and says it again here in verse 36. Whom the son sets free is free indeed. We're going back to capital S again. Who the Son, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. This is the only way by which a man can be saved. If the Son has not set you free, you are still a slave to sin. And the Bible tells us you will have your part in the lake of fire. The... The slaves to sin receive their just punishment, eternal conscious torment, being judged by Almighty God forever. And Jesus knew this. He was passionate about this as He's speaking to these people. Not, not, just, not just that, but as, as, as judgment's coming on them soon. Jesus was passionate about this very message. We know He was passionate because as we look at the words He says in Luke chapter 19... In Luke chapter 19, Jesus is coming down the mountain and, and he's, uh, he's approaching Jerusalem. And this is where you see the, this is where we go for typically Palm Sunday service. And they're worshiping him. And uh, as, he's approaching the, as he's approaching Jerusalem for the last time before his, his crucifixion, he saw the city and the Bible tells us he began to weep. He began to weep looking at the city. And he said, if you had known this day, even you, the things which make for peace... But now they've been hidden from your eyes. So with tears in his eyes, as he's looking at the city that's fixing to kill him, 
He's saying, if only you had recognized who I really was. If only you had seen, but you did not. So that's, that's Luke 19. That's way later in his, in his ministry. That's the end of his ministry. But here in John 8, earlier in his ministry, he's pleading with him. He's saying, please recognize who I am or, or, or else there's going to be consequences. Then in verse 37, it's as if Jesus is saying, the game is up. I know what y'all have been doing this whole time. I, I, I've, I've heard you all along. In verse 37, he says this. He says, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak the things which I have seen from my father. Therefore, you also do the things which you heard from your father. Jesus is saying, listen, let's, let's quit playing games here. I know what's happening as, as I'm up here preaching. I know my word's not in you because even as I'm standing here talking, you're plotting to kill me. I don't know if, if you know this, but it doesn't take long as we look at the Old Testament, as we, as we begin to read God's word, to find out that God hates murder. The Bible tells us he hates hands that shed innocent blood. And even while he's up there speaking, even as he's standing before them proclaiming who he is, they're plotting about how to do just that. They're plotting about how to shed his innocent blood. If we skip down to verse 41 here, verse 41, we're going to read through 44. He says, you are doing the deeds of your father. That's where we picked up at the end of 38 there. They said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. So they're trying to object to that. Jesus says to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and have come from God, and I have not even come on my own initiative, but He sent me. Why do you not understand what I am saying? It is because you cannot hear my word. You are not of your fa- you are not you are, you are you are of your father the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer, and from and from the beginning. And does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So here's what we need to learn from these verses. We learn that there are two masters. We learn that those who love murder, those who love lies, those who love sin, and those who hate God are doing the work of their father, the devil. Not to, not to get into y'all's Revelation series too much here, but when John mentioned synagogues of Satan in Revelation, I would imagine he was possibly thinking about this very moment in time when Jesus is speaking to Pharisees at the synagogue saying their father is Satan. Here's what else we learn from these verses here. We learn that those who love God's Word those who hear God's words and obey it, those that keep His commandments, and those that abide in God's word are children of God. Church of 2021, if, if John had something to say to you today, I believe that he would say, Church, remember the times that you are living in when people are, are trying to creep in with all kinds of deceitful heresies and all kinds of lies from the devil that you were bought with a price. Remember that Jesus shed His blood to set you free from slavery. And through His Word, He has revealed truth to you. Never cease to grow in the knowledge of that truth. 
and never stop being obedient to the new life that Christ has called you to. We must know that Jesus is the only thing that sets people free. And that it's through Scripture we continue to grow in grace and knowledge of Him. So as we as we kind of are wrapping up for today, I, I just want to ask some questions of you. And you don't have to answer these, but just in your seed and as you're thinking about these things throughout the rest of the day, just, just ask yourself these questions. Would you say that you live a life of sin? Or would you say that you're no longer a slave to sin? Which, which, which one of those would you say would describe your life? Would you be honest with yourself and ask if you truly do abide in Christ? As Jesus says here, does the thought of spending time in God's Word cause you to rejoice? Or does it cause you to groan? If you're here today and you're not following Jesus, I want to ask, what's, what is it that's keeping you from following Him today? There are, there are many people in this church that I'm sure would love to talk to you about what it looks like to follow Him. As you think about these questions today, remember... That we have a God that's not distant. He came, as, he came as a man. He lived a perfect life. And He took the punishment for sin that us sinners deserved. If you're following Him, He has set you free from slavery. And He has revealed truth to you. And He's called you to a new life in Him. Believers here, walk in it. Abide in Christ. If you're here and and you're not following Christ, I want you to know that Christ has made a way for you to be right before God. He is the satisfier of God's wrath and He is calling you to turn from your life of sin and follow Him. Don't wait. Don't put that off for tomorrow. Don't continue living in slavery. You can be freed from that. I want to spend some time today just uh, just praying for you as a church. Um, I, uh, I, I I don't I don't I wasn't standing up here to say that I believe Mark is any of those things. I, I trust Mark and and love him, and uh, and I think he would warn of the the same things as he sees in 2021. But I want to pray for for us as a church that we would we would continue to remain that we would continue to abide in Christ. Um, can we pray for that? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. I pray, uh, I pray for us as a church in, uh, in 2021. I pray that you, would, uh, that you would bless us and keep us. I pray that, that you would uh, help us to abide in you. Help us to, to be obedient. Help us to be bold. Help us to proclaim truth. Help us to, uh, to love you and, and to love our neighbors. I pray that you would uh, continue continue to work in our life. And I pray that uh, as a church we grow in grace and knowledge of you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So as we close today, if you will, go ahead and stand. And I will dismiss you with this benediction from Scripture. Scripture tells us in 2 Peter 3, verse 17, Therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 
To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You're dismissed.